Well, good morning, Bay Hills. How are you guys today? Pastor, pa- well, good morning, Bay Hills. How are you guys today? Pastor, Pastor David Fossil's on vacation. <laughs> That's why Nate and I get to travel the world. <laughs> I went to Reading on Wednesday. <laughs> Reading's part of the world, don't laugh. Um, <laughs> well, Pastor David's gone for a couple weeks. Thanks for being here. My name's Dave, the other Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. If you're new here to Bay Hills or first time, we welcome you. Glad you're here. Uh, put on your seatbelts because I, when I'm preaching, you might need it, okay? Um, but hey, I, I just, by the way, my name's Dave and I'm a workaholic. Anybody else with me there? Workaholics in here, a few of you, yeah? Today we're going to be talking about workaholics, so if you get offended by that, you're probably one, okay? Um, but uh, I, I, was, I was putting this message together and, and Pastor Dave asked me to, t- to teach on rest and he was giving me that as a hint that I need to rest or relax a little bit. So I was putting this together and I came up with 10 signs that you're a workaholic. Number 10, your conversations all lead back to work. work. Number nine, friendships are all from work. All you do is complain about work. You're checking your smartphone for work. Your work desk looks, that bottom right-hand drawer in your work desk, it looks like a vending machine. Check this out. Right, right there. That vending machine. I guess not. The vending machine. There we go. Looks like that. But if you're a healthy person, it looks like this. Okay? Um, your, your rollover vacation days are to the max, okay? You, you have all your vacation and then some, and they won't let you have any more. You need to use them. Here's what a sick day looks like for you. Oh, I think I'm running a fever. Maybe a little sore throat. It's probably just allergies. I'm going to work. Um, your midnight snack turns into a three-hour brainstorming session about work with yourself, okay? Uh, and then your family has to come see you at work, and the number one way to tell if you're a workaholic is you're already, you've already checked your smartphone here at church, okay? Yes, I've seen three of you do it already. You're checking, you're not, oh, my Bible app's open. Really? Is that what it is? Okay. Um, but, but today, you know, it, it really is. I'm, I found myself to be a workaholic. Uh, and, and when I would go to church, I would go to church to do two things, to serve and then if they needed me somewhere else to serve again, okay? And then once in a while, I'd sit in and listen to the pastor preach. Um, and that's how a lot of us are wired. And it's okay to be a workaholic as long as we have it kind of under control a little bit. And there's a story in the Bible that I want to talk to you about today. And it's a story about two sisters, Martha and Mary. And you guys have maybe heard this story. I'm going to take it a little different direction today. But uh, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 10. If you're on your smartphone checking your email, turn over to your Bible app and open up Luke. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at verse, uh, starting in verse 38. This is a story of Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus said this. This was his, his Brady Bunch moment. Martha, Martha, Martha. Okay, those of you that I dated myself, by the way. Young people are like, what's the Brady Bunch? Martha, Martha, the Lord answer, answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. 
Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. See, let me, I'll kind of give you a context of the story. Here's, here's Jesus, and, and, and we, we know Mary and Martha from other stories in the Bible. If you look in, in, in John, uh, Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet and washed his feet with a really expensive perfume. And, uh, and Lazarus is their brother, and Lazarus was a guy that Jesus raised from the dead. But this is Jesus' first visit with Mary and Martha. So he's getting to know them a little bit. And he kind of has Martha pegged right from the outset, doesn't he? And, and Martha means, in, in Aramaic, Martha means mistress. And, and really, it's, it's, she, it's the, she's the head of the home. We, the Bible doesn't say anything about a dad. It doesn't say anything about a husband. So we have to assume, based on her being first in, in, the, in the line of what they talk about here, that she was the head of the house. And part of the responsibility of being the head of the home in the Jewish culture back then was you need to make sure your house was clean, especially when somebody came over. I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's, that's called clutter control in our house, right? Somebody's coming over and we're like, okay, let's clean up all the clutter. And we go around and we clean up all the stuff in the, in the living room, the family room, the kitchen area where everybody's going to be. And, and we're getting it all cleaned up and our girls know, and it's like, it's clutter control. And they all, they all go to work and pick up everything, get it all up. But if you're at our house, you go, wow, your house is so clean. I'm saying, yeah, but just don't go into the bedrooms. Okay. (laughs) But that's how we are. That's how many of us are. We're busy. We want to clean up. We want to make it look good. And the Jewish culture was no different than it is today. But Jesus was like, you know what? Maybe maybe it's, it's, it's okay to rest, Martha. Maybe it's okay just to sit back and listen a little bit. And what it made me realize when I was putting all this together was that I'm kind of a workaholic still that I need to maybe get a little bit of this under control. And like I said, the last two services, I'll say it to you guys, this message is really, I'm preaching it to myself. And you guys just happen to be here and get to listen to it, okay? So I preached it at home, I preached it twice at church, and now you guys get to hear it again. So I'm really hammering this home to myself today. And when I was doing this, I, I, I realized that there are really five things that I can really truly identify. And I know we had a list of 10 that are kind of fun and funny, but I had five things that I could really identify with myself being a workaholic. Number one was, has my worth become my work? Is, is what I am or who I am all about my work? See, I, I introduced myself to people this way. I said, hey, hi there. I'm Pastor Dave. Nice to meet you, right? I don't say, hi, I'm Dad Dave, or I'm Husband Dave, or I'm Brother Dave, or I'm Son Dave, which are all true statements. I'm Uncle Dave. I don't say that. I say, hi there, I'm Pastor Dave. Nice to meet you, right? And I think a lot of us get get to that place where we, we find our identity, we find our worth in, in what we do for work. Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, the toil of fools wearies them. They don't even know their way to town. Now, I want to explain that a little bit because you're like, well, well, what does that mean? Well, in those days, they had a town where they lived and then where they worked was in a field because it was an agrarian culture. They worked and they toiled in the fields. Most people did. And the workaholics of those days would toil and toil and toil and toil, and they, they would never, they wouldn't go home very often. And, and King Solomon is basically saying, you know what? You're, you're working too much. You've even lost your way home. And I had, to, I had to realize it myself that I remember back in the day, and even today, but I remember back in the day, for those of you that don't know, I used to sell fire engines. I used to have a fire truck dealership not like a car dealership. I didn't have a bunch of fire trucks come sitting around. I designed them and sold them to fire departments. And, and I, remember, I remember back in the day, I would work a lot. I would work a lot of hours selling fire engines. In fact, fire departments, they, 
They typically have drill nights where they practice putting out fires and they, and they practice using the equipment. And that's usually a Wednesday or a Thursday night. So I would find myself on Wednesdays and Thursday nights at fire departments all over the state of Washington where I lived. And I remember, you know, driving home late at night and I had to figure out ways because I prided myself and I'm always going to sleep in my own bed. So it didn't matter how far away from home was, I would get home at night and sleep in my bed. And so I, I learned how to keep myself awake on the road. And one of the ways I would do that was I would hold it, hold potty breaks, okay? <laughs> I was like, hold it, what do you mean? Yeah, literally like, okay, I'm going home, I'm going. And I remember this one time I was driving, I was driving from a fire department in, in, in Eastern Washington and, and I was coming home. It was late at night. I finished up about 11 o'clock and it was a three and a half, four hour drive home. And I was driving in a fire engine. And I was like, I got to make it home. And I'm driving on Snoqualmie Pass. If, if those of you know Washington, I-90 Snoqualmie Pass. It's actually, truckers consider it one of the most treacherous passes on the entire I-90 corridor in the country. And so I'm on I-90 and, and, I, and it's not, it's summertime, so it's, but it's really bumpy because it gets a lot of snow. And I'm like, oh, and I'm holding it. I'm like, I can't hold it anymore. So I pull off, the, I pull off on the exit. I get out of the fire engine. I go around to the other side because I don't want anybody to see me. And I'm going, and I'm, oh, there is Jesus and he's alive and it's wonderful right now. And I'm totally like, like okay, this is great. I, and all of a sudden I, I realized the lights are on. Oh wait, those aren't my lights. Those are, those are blue. <laughs> a highway patrolman pulled up behind me and I found out that a, 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 it's a $500 fine um, to relieve yourself in public in the state of Washington. Um, he decided not to give me the citation, but he did ask me two questions. Is everything Okay. Yes, officer. And have you been drinking? <laughs> and I was like, no, yes, everything's okay. And no, I haven't been drinking, officer. I'm driving a $300,000 fire engine. No, I haven't. But that was my life. I would literally do that every week. I would be Wednesday, Thursday night. I'd be somewhere trying to sell a fire engine and trying to find my way home. And I'd get home and, and go to bed at two or three o'clock in the morning and then do it all over again the next day. I was a workaholic, but my wealth that I was trying to earn was superseding my health. That wasn't a healthy way to live. That wasn't healthy at all. And the Bible tells us, do not wear yourself out to get rich. I was wearing myself out. I was burning the candle at both ends. And when, when it burned together and finally start burning out, I go find another candle to burn. That's how I was. In fact, my motto was people go, when do you sleep? And I said, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That's what I told people. And that was my attitude. I figured I could sleep when I'm dead. I didn't, it didn't matter. My, my health, it was okay. And, and, and I realized that it probably wasn't okay. And the time I realized it was, was when my wife was, was in labor. We were in Mount Vernon, Washington. She was in labor with our third child. And I'm there by her side. And then all the baby comes out. Oh, what a beautiful baby. And I'm like, oh, honey, this oh, what another baby. This is great. I've got a bit opening in Bellingham I need to go to right now. So I'm out. And I literally left the hospital with my wife, with a brand new baby, and went to a bid opening in Bellingham, Washington. And I thought, something's wrong. Something's messed up. I'm a workaholic, and I need to do something about it. It was affecting my life, because I wanted my life to look better than your life. That's why I was doing it. My ambition, my, my, my excitement about making money, my cool F-150 that I bought, was, was like, oh, it was an awesome truck, you guys. It had chrome on the sides. I had a chrome tailpipe on it, leather interior. I brought that sucker home. I was so excited about it. I was showing it off to all my neighbors, and they were, wow, nice truck. I'm like, yeah, nice truck. <laughs> What's up? 
my truck's nicer than yours. And I know some of you are like, well, it's an F-150, but it was sweet. I'm telling you, it was a sweet truck. Two nights, I owned it for two nights. And I walk out in the morning and I'm like, what's going on? And my truck was vandalized. Like, oh, Lord, are you trying to teach me something here? My life was looking better than other lives, but was it? So then I, I was like, man, my achievements, my achievements are more important than my relationships. My achievements were becoming something that I was, I was striving for. Because guess what? I was, the, I was the number one for the companies I represented. I was the number one sales rep in the entire country for the fire truck companies I was representing. Nobody in the country was better than me. I was, I, I was out selling dealers that had, had five or six employees and I was doing it by myself because I didn't want to spend the money on hiring anybody. <laughs> and I, and, and it, was, it was this great achievement, but it was on the backs of my family. I remember one night I was in Walla Walla, Washington. Somebody say that with me, Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> Just funny to say it twice, isn't it? Twice. Um, get it? Walla Walla, Walla Walla. Okay. Um, but I was in Walla Walla, Washington one night, and I drove home that night got home at five or six o'clock in the morning, got about an hour and a half of sleep, and then I had to go to Bellingham, Washington. Now, if you know where Walla Walla is, it's in the southeast corner of Washington, and Bellingham is in the northwest corner of Washington. It's as far apart as you can get, and I drove it all. I didn't fly. I was in my car, and I was driving it. That was my life. And I saw that the toil and all that I was achieving was springing from my envy for others. I wanted it all because I wanted my life to be better. I wanted my achievements over my relationships. And then I, when I was putting this together, it brought back all these crazy memories of selling fire engines and, and how busy I was and how out of balance I was in my life. And, and I was successful in people's eyes But then I I read this in Ecclesiastes and King Solomon penned this and it'll be up on the screen for you. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. And then King Solomon goes on to say, two are better than one. Because when one falls down, he has someone there to pick him up. When one lies down and is cold, he has someone there to keep him warm. And I'm like, I've used that in, in you know, wedding ceremonies before. But when I look at it for my life, I was like, is my life becoming or had become kind of alone? I was, I was having all this success, but I was by myself. I was, I was alone. And I remember that time when Darcy had the baby and I was driving to Bellingham and I was like, is this it? Is this what it's all about? Is this what life has become? Is I, I have to leave my beautiful wife? And if you guys see my wife, I mean, I married way up, right? And, and I know, so, hey, quick comment back there. I heard that. Um, and I'm like, is this, this is, this is, this is it? I said, there has to be more. And I remember in my F-150, and, I, and I'm going because guess what? That aerial that, that Bellingham's going to buy for me, I wrote their spec for them. They're going to buy it for me, no questions asked. I'm going to get a $50,000 commission on that. And, and I know it because I know what my price is. And I'm like, and I've got to go because that's more important than my wife in a hospital because we couldn't pay for the hospital if I didn't do that. And that was my justification. 
And I'm driving to Bellingham, and I'm Lord, there has to be more to this thing called life than this. And that's the moment I knew that I needed to do something different. That's the moment I knew that I needed to I needed to change what I was doing. Because then my ambition started to affect me in every aspect of my life. And I put this one down for sleep because my ambitions drove my sleep. See, I was working so much, I was sleeping four to five hours a night, and that was it. I was sleeping four to five hours a night. I, I, was, I, was, I was going to bed late, getting up early every single night, and I was okay with it. Like I said earlier, I'll sleep when I'm dead. That was my attitude. But the Bible says in your vanity or in your ambition, in your, in your seeking after achievement, you rise early and stay up late. And that was me. My seeking after success made me rise early and stay up late every single day. And I needed my sleep. Ask my wife, I'm angry when I don't get my sleep. Um, but then I'm going, you know, what about today? I'm a pastor. I can play some golf once in a while. I meet with people, but am I still doing that? So I had to start checking myself today and realize this still applies to me today, not just when I had fire trucks. So I looked at what are three things or three times I can rest. And what are those three times I can rest? Well, God gives them to us, right? He gives us our daily rest. Give us today our daily bread, right? Well, give us today, God, our daily rest. We need it sometimes. What do we call that? We call it sleep. So I was like, you know what? I, I need to make sure I'm getting six, seven, eight hours of sleep. So daily rest, we need to unplug from the daily grind and don't forget to sleep. Don't forget to sleep. So I had you write down in there, how many hours a night do you sleep on average? So you write that in. How many hours a night that you really get of sleep? I'm not talking when you go to bed. I'm talking when you sleep. Okay, write that down. You got everybody's written it down. That one guy in the back wrote it down. I saw him back there, okay? You wrote it down early, though, because you were cheating. Okay, how many... Let's see what the Sleep Foundation, the National Sleep Foundation has to say about how much sleep you really need. And you can see if you're within the... If you're an infant in here, first of all, you're writing that down. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> but if you're an infant, 14 to 15 hours a day of sleep. Toddler, 13 to 14 hours of sleep. Preschooler... 10 to 12 hours of sleep, preteen, 9 to 11. If your preteen is staying up all night long playing Fortnite, they need to go to bed. Just saying. Um, if your teenager is not getting 8 to 10 hours of sleep, you know they're playing video games and they're on Instagram or Snapchat, okay? That's what they're doing. Adults, 7 to 9 hours of sleep. Are you an adult in here getting 7 to 9 hours of sleep? That's what we need to be healthy. That's what we need. 7 to 9 hours of sleep. Older adults, I'm being polite there, okay? I think it said old people in the thing I read. But older adults, seven to eight hours of sleep. Isn't it great when we get older, we need, we need less sleep? I love it. I'm like, I need less sleep. What are you getting? How much sleep are you getting? If, you're, if you can fill in that blank there of you're getting four, five, six, maybe you need to figure out a way to get that up to seven, eight, or nine. How much sleep are you getting? I think the other, the other piece is the, the times of rest is, the, is your weekly rest. What do we call that? Weekends. <laughs> Everybody's working for the weekend. That's why they don't have me on the worship team, by the way. Um, but weekly rest. The weekend isn't just a time to go. It's also a time to slow. A lot of us 
we, we work for the weekends because we got a, a big list to get done. We want to work because we're going to go work the weekend. And, and I, I think sometimes we, we maybe overdo it a little bit. Maybe we need to just chill. Maybe we just need to slow down on the weekends. We have a society that's all about living for the weekends, and then on the weekends we just go, 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 and we need two days off to go back to work. Is it a time to go, or should it be a time to slow? The Japanese have a term for it. They call it karoshi, which means literally means death by overworking. Now, it doesn't mean death by working nine to five and then taking the weekend off. It means that you work nine to five Monday through Friday and then you get to the weekend and you still work on the weekends and not necessarily at your job. You're working around the house. You're working around, you're working on your car. You're working on stuff. See, and I think today in today's modern church, we've, we've, we've done a really good job of, of preaching the, the, the New Testament, but we sometimes forget about some of the Old Testament and we forget maybe about this little thing called the Ten Commandments. And we forget that maybe the Ten Commandments are something we can look at once in a while. And the Fourth Commandment says this, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. Are, are, we, are we really taking a day of rest? Because that's what Sabbath means, by the way. It means a day of rest. You know, God created, you look at Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He goes through all the things he created. Six days of work, and then God gave us that example on, right at the beginning of chapter 2. He said, and I rested. Do we really rest? Do we really take a day and just, oh, I'm going to really do nothing today. I'm going to just, I'm really going to relax and watch golf. That's a great way to relax, right? And then we have our yearly rest. What do we call that in America? Vacation. Like, right, we're ready for that vacation. We're ready to do something. Vacation is for recreation and relaxation, not restoration. And I don't mean the kind of restoration like restore our body or get refreshed that way. I mean restoration like this. Our house looks like this, and on our vacation, we turn it into this, okay? I mean, that kind of vacation isn't for us to get all the work done in our lists for the two weeks that we have off. Now, I'm not opposed to saying do some of the work, but maybe it's time just to, Take a vacation. Like, really take a vacation. I don't know about you, but when I'm on vacation, I check my phone a lot. I don't know about you, but when I'm, when I'm doing things, I mean, I, I was always checking my phone, by the way. Before we had these really cool smartphones, I had one, one of those old school flip phones. And I remember I was at, I was at a ballet recital and, and it was my kids were doing ballet and I was so excited about it. And I was like, oh, my kids are doing ballet. This is awesome. And, and, uh, and I'm like, but I have a bid opening right now and I'm not there because I'm at my kid's thing, but I got it in early, so I'm good and I don't need to worry about it. I'm looking at my phone, hoping to get the phone call that I got the bid, that I got the order and I'm waiting for my phone to ring. I'm waiting for my phone to ring and right behind me was one of my competitors because his kids danced with my kids. And, and, and I'm like, man, my phone's not ringing. They should have the results by now. I should know what happened by now. And he leans over to me because his phone worked in the auditorium we were in. And his phone worked. And he rings, you know, congratulations, you got the order. And I was like, oh, I wanted to stand up and scream. But it was such an awkward moment during the dance. I thought it would be wrong of me. So I didn't. But that was my life. My, my vacation was, my, was, was, was all about my work. I was always working. Maybe you take a vacation and you just walk away from it all. So I look at the three times 
to rest, but I also was like, what about the places to rest? Because I, I know for me, it's hard for me to rest anywhere. If I'm sitting here in church and listening to Dave's message, I'm fidgety. I'm, I'm wanting to do something. I'm like looking at my phone. I'm like, okay, I can't do that because he's looking at me now and I work for him. He's my boss and I'm looking at my phone. Whoa, they got excited over there in junior high class. But three, home. Home is not just a place to finish the honeydew list. Ladies, sometimes I love the honeydew list, but sometimes I just need to come home and, and my wife's listening right now. Sometimes, honey, I just need to come home and rest. I just need to come home and not do the honeydew list. But guys, sometimes we need to come home and we need to be the ones to make the dinner and do the dishes and mop the floors. And you know what? What I found over the years of 28 years of marriage, when when I've done those things, my honeydew list all of a sudden gets a lot shorter. (laughs) It's amazing how that works. But the Bible tells us that a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman will tear it down with her own hands. Are, 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 we, are we wise, men and women, are we wise? Are we building our homes or are we tearing them down from the inside out? Those are questions to ask ourselves. Another place to rest is church. Guys, this should be a place where you come on a Sunday and you feel refreshed, you feel restored, you feel relaxed, you feel you're, you're encouraged. Church isn't just a place to check off the box. I've been to church this week, check. I've been to Home Depot this week, check. You know, I mean, that's how we live. I know for me, I was, I'm a to-do list guy. I've got to-do lists and other to-do lists. I've got to-do lists about my to-do lists, okay? And, and that's how I've lived, just checking the box. But maybe you should come into church and just, just relax. Just get refreshed. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, most of us know it for saying this, that we're not to forsake the fellowship of believers. We're not to, to, to you know, disregard meeting together. Don't give up on it. But I think the other thing that that verse says, encourage one another. Consider how we can spur one another on. It's Hebrews 10, by the way, for those of you that didn't get that, you can look that up later. But church should be a place where we're encouraged, where we're spurred on, where we feel refreshed, we feel feel rejuvenated when we leave here. And, And hopefully Bay Hills is a place where you guys feel that way when you leave here. You feel refreshed. You feel encouraged. You feel like, wow, that was like eight hours of sleep. And some of you have slept through Dave's messages. Um, and I know that I've seen you. And I've been like, see, they're sleeping. That's good. Okay, it's either warm in here or he was boring today. But he's never boring. So the other place is the getaway place to rest. Is that vacation place. Is where do you go? So many of us, we do the vacation is a staycation, Right? Vacation doesn't always have to be a staycation. We don't always have to stay home on vacation. I know some of us do because of finances or whatever. And, and, and maybe, maybe you save for two years and go on a good vacation every couple of years. But it's good to get away. It's good to find a place. I know for us, we love, we love, love, love to go to Mount Hermon or Lassen Pines Christian Camps. We love those two places. They're like our, our home away from homes. We love it. And we'll rent a cabin down at Mount Hermon. You know, we'll go, maybe that's what you can do. Go rent a cabin. Maybe some of you are tent campers and you want to, you'll get the tent. If you had a tent like this, you'd camp more often, wouldn't you? That tent, I mean, there's a queen size bed in that tent. That's awesome. Or maybe some of you just want to go, you just want to kind of hang around camping. <laughs> the one guy's like, no way, never. 
That, now, that's, that would be a little scary up there. I don't know if I'd be way, I'd be way too stressed. I'm scared of heights. I don't, I'll tell you a story. I told it second service. I'll tell you a story um, about, I was, I was trying to sell the city of Seattle, the fire engine, one of those aerial platforms, you know, has a bucket on it and you're, and you're swinging it around. It's really cool. And they have a feather feature, what's called a feather feature. So I could, I could take the joystick cause it's cool. It's like a video game. It's like a joystick and I can move the bucket back and forth. And I was, I was moving it, but I didn't realize the feather feature had been disconnected on this truck. And so the feather feature, I can move it as fast as it can go and I can let go of it and it will slowly come to a stop right? So I have these two big firemen in the bucket with me and I want to show them the tip load. It can hold a thousand pounds of weight and we're all excited. And so I'm like, I'm a thing way up there and it's arms way out and I'm swinging it around and getting close to the building. So I'm going to get, you know, I let go of it to stop it. And instead of slowly coming to a stop, it just, (laughs) well, the outriggers, which are the things that kind of hold it on the ground, the outriggers literally lift it off the ground and set back down. I'm like, okay, now I'm officially scared of heights. (sighs) And uh, needless to say, Seattle didn't buy a fire engine from me. (laughs) ever. (laughs) Um, But I couldn't do what those guys are doing right now. But also getting back to getting back to this three reasons. I think there's some reasons we need to rest. And here are three that I came up with for myself. Healthy reasons. Stress from work. Well, I'll say it this way. Stress is the number one cause of heart attacks. Work is the number one cause of stress. So I put the two together. Stress from work is the number one cause of heart attacks. I, I, I knew the path I was on. I knew I wasn't eating well. I knew I was staying up really late, not getting enough sleep. I knew that something was inevitable, that something was going to happen to me. So I'd recently just looked at this and from the National Heart Association, I looked at this study and they said, these are the best ways to prevent heart attacks. Quit smoking. Eat a balanced and healthy um, diet. Okay, I don't call, not smoking. Okay, I don't have to worry about that. Eat a healthy, no, I don't do that. Getting plenty of exercise. You guys be the judge. Okay, uh, maybe. Um, getting plenty of good quality sleep. I actually do. I get seven to eight hours every single night now. Keeping diabetes under control. I don't have that. Keeping alcohol intake down. I only drink on nights and weekends. Okay, it's okay. Um, <laughs> maintaining blood cholesterol level. I just had a physical. I had my yearly physical and, and my doctor said, man, your cholesterol level is fantastic. You're, for your age, you, I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? My age? My cholesterol level is either good or it isn't, doc. Come on. But my cholesterol level was good. Maintaining uh, your low blood pressure, which my blood pressure was for my age was perfect. Maintaining a healthy body weight. I, my doctor says, you're, you're, you, have a, you have a body weight. <laughs> like, okay. You need to lose 30 pounds. Okay, doc, I got you on that one. Um, And then avoiding stress where possible and learning how to manage stress. Now, Dave's on vacation, so my stress level's way down this week. And he'll watch this, so he'll see that, and he'll bust my chops later. Um, But I think that's part of it is, is, you know, sleep, avoid stress, and manage stress. How do we learn to do that? Sometimes it's just unplugging. It's just getting away from it. So stress is a reason is a reason. Um, Your spiritual rest. I think this is the biggest one, you guys. We need to rest spiritually. We need to say, you know what? I need need to do what what Jesus himself said. And this is is the fill in the blank there. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 28. We need to hang with Jesus a little bit more. We We need to go to him with our burdens, with our stresses, with our worries. Because if we go to him, 
Well, it continues on to say, and you won't see it on the screens, but you can look it up later on verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, we need to get into Jesus a little bit more. Walking with Jesus, hanging with Jesus. Go to him. And we need to do that more often. I think that's the biggest one. Um, But there's a third one that I came up with, and it's relational rest. It's taking time to get refreshed will strengthen our relationships. When we're so tired, we can't even hang out with our kids. When we're so exhausted because all we do is go, 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 and our kids want to just have a little bit of our time or our wife or our husband wants some of us and we don't have anything to give them, we need to rest. We need to relax. We need to not worry about the clutter. See, Martha, Martha got so hung up on the clutter, she missed the opportunity to rest in the Lord. Now, Jesus knew what was coming in her life. Jesus knew her brother was going to die. Maybe Jesus was maybe just saying, Martha, prepare. Be rested up because your season is going to change. Sometimes our season changes. Sometimes our relationships change. But maybe we need to rest up for what's to come and we can be refreshed and it will strengthen our relationships. So then I kind of put it all together and I realized there's about nine ways to rest. There's about nine ways that I can get more rest in my life. And, and I, I'm really, again, I'm preaching to myself today. And so I really had to, to go, okay, I got to apply these things. Eat healthier. For me, I, I don't have to worry about drinking or smoking or doing any of that stuff, but I need to eat healthier. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, yesterday I went to McDonald's. Why? Because McDonald's burgers, there's something addicting about them. They're so good. And then I, and then I went to In-N-Out and I'm like, In-N-Out burgers are so good. Maybe it's just the food is so good. Start exercising more. I need to exercise more. I know that. Leave work at work. You know, being a pastor, work is, follows me everywhere. You guys, you know, you guys all need a pastors once in a while. And I get a call at 10 o'clock at night or, and I get an email and I, and I need to leave work at work. Maybe that's you. Minimize overstimulation. I know this is one for teenagers I recommend to parents all the time. Turn off their TVs and their video games and their, their social media stuff at nine o'clock. Because you know what? Overstimulation, it's been proven that overstimulation in kids keeps them from sleeping well at night. When they're playing a video game, that's crazy. And believe me, I play those video games, so I know they're crazy and they're shooting people and they're talking, and it's like the screens are doing this and I have a harder time shutting my brain down. And so do teenagers. So minimize your overstimulation. Turn off your phones. You know what? Whether it's a window at home of time, say nine to midnight, your phone is just off. Well, maybe nine to nine or something. I don't know. But turn your phone off for a while. See how you do without it. I know for the first week, you're like, oh, there it is. There it is. I got to get it. And then fewer commitments. Say no once in a while. You know, as Christians, it's okay to say no. In fact, there's this comedian named John Christ. If you haven't seen him on Facebook, he's all over there in the social. In fact, he has 17 ways that Christians can say no. We're going to watch this quick video right now. Check this out. Okay, ways to say no. There are a bunch of them. No thanks. I'm good. I'll pass. One of my personal favorites. For sure, though. I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you got saved, you got eternal life, forgiveness of sins, and access to a whole long list of ways to say no that'll make you sound like way more spiritual of a person than you actually are. I don't think it's God's will. It's just not his timing. I'm feeling led in a different direction. Let me talk to my pastor about that. 
It's a closed door. I'm waiting on the Lord right now. I just don't feel peace about it right now. God has a different assignment for me. I just didn't feel prompted. I just don't feel like that's something that Jesus would do. But I just feel like I'm not in that season anymore. Can you help me move this weekend? But normally I would, but I just feel like God is just telling me to rest right now. I just got a sense that it didn't line up. Right now I'm in a season of new wineskins. What does that even mean? I just feel like right now I'm in a season of creating margin and I just don't have the bandwidth. Are you even speaking English right now? I was just asking if you wanted to get a pizza. Prompting. How many times have I told you about the prompting? I'm not feeling the prompting. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling the spirit's leading on this one. Mm, you know what? I'm not sure. Let me lay out a fleece on that one. <laughs> okay, I don't think anyone says that. And of course, everybody's all-time favorite, let me pray about it. All I'm saying is when it comes to Christian ways of saying no, just say just say no. <laughs> Just say no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to make fewer commitments. Don't overcommit yourself. Number, number uh, seven, take a real weekend. Like really take a weekend and do nothing. Don't work around the house. Don't, don't, don't paint your house. Don't, you know, go, just, just take a weekend and do nothing. Come to church though. We want that. Okay. Um, and then maybe go on a vacation. Some of you need it, by the way, you need vacation go on a vacation but I think the most important thing, we talked about it earlier, but I'm going to finish with this. Hang with God. Hang out with God. You know, the Bible tells us that if we hang with God, he'll give us, he'll give us rest, right? But he'll also make us rest if we're not hanging with him. See, because the 23rd Psalm says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He'll make me lie down in green pastures. See, sheep couldn't lie down on their own. Their shepherds had to make them lie down. And that's exactly what God's going to do to us. We can either let him give us rest or he'll make us rest. We've got to choose. I choose to rest with God because when he makes me rest, it's a lot more painful. So let's have a great rest of our weekend. And let's get some rest in God, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you for a great weekend. Thank you for uh, the rest that you give us. We know that we, um, we are a go, go, go society and we are a go, go, go people. And you want us to take a, take a moment and, and enjoy the fruits of our labors, but also rest in you and rest in what you've done for us. So God, I pray that all of us would find a way to, to slow our pace. Mm-hmm.